soul is like soil. Things grow out of it. Your soul is like soil. Things grow out of it. Jesus alludes to this in the parable of the sower when he talks about four different types of ground. He said the word is the seed and the hearer is the soil. The person hearing the word is the soil. And he talks about stony ground and thorny ground and sun-scorched ground and then finally good ground. So, so your soul, the inward part of you, is like soil. It grows things. It is a producer. But your soul only produces depending on what seed was sown into it. So you need to be more selective who and what you allow to plant in your soul. In the book of Genesis, God created a system and commanded that every created thing reproduce after its own kind. That's why you will never see two cows mate and produce a goat. You cannot plant acorns and receive strawberries because the seed determines the harvest. Be not deceived. God is not mocked whatsoever a person and sows, that shall they also reap. So since your soul is like soil, that means your life is only the result of what has been sowed into you in the past. You are living in the harvest today of the seeds that were sown yesterday. You are only reaping now what has been sown into your ground back then. Your adulthood right now is the harvest of what was sown to you back in your childhood. No matter what you have going on in your life, in your emotions, in your mind, in your thinking, it is the harvest of seeds that have been sown. Your level of maturity today, if you're immature, it's the result of seeds that were sown. If you are mature and well-adjusted, you didn't get it by yourself, it's the result of seeds that were sown. Your level of communication and your communication styles, it is the result of seeds that were sown. If you communicate well, somebody taught you how to are you were in an environment that did if you do not communicate well somebody taught you how not to and you were in an environment that was not healthy when it comes to communication your level of confidence whether you have confidence you have it because somebody put it there if you do not have confidence you don't have it because seeds of insecurity were sown into your psyche if you got faith in God this morning somebody put it there you didn't just gather faith in God how can they hear without a preacher and how can he preach unless he has been sent if you have faith in God and a healthy belief system you have it because somebody came along and put it there Paul said I have planted and Apollos watered but God gave the increase it is all about seed time and harvest your marriage today is the result of seeds that you have sown in the past if you don't like the harvest you need to change the seeds don't change the marriage just change the seeds don't change the spouse just change the seeds hallelujah to God if you don't like how your kids are turning out change the seeds the words that you speak to them the way you behave in front of them what you are teaching them words are seeds you don't like their behavior change the seeds look at somebody and say change the seeds in verse 24 the bible says the kingdom of heaven is like Stuff like this happens in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Everybody say good seed. Now, it's interesting to me that in the former parable, when he talks about four different types of ground, Jesus talks about the quality of the soil because the quality of the soil does matter. However, in this parable, Jesus never mentions the quality of the soil. He only focuses on the quality of the seed because there is a seed that is so good. The Bible said the man sowed good seed in the ground. There is a seed that is so good, you could take that good seed and put it in bad soil and and the seed will still prosper regardless of the environment that it was surrounded by. Not everybody in this room grew up in the best environment. Not everybody in this room grew up around success. Not everybody in this room grew up in a healthy atmosphere. And yet, in spite of the negative soil around you, the seed that God placed down inside of you was so good and so strong that even your environment couldn't stop you from prospering. You were in a bad environment with bad education and, and, and bad family life and bad groceries from a bad grocery store and bad 
opportunities, but in spite of all the bad, because you were so good, all of the bad couldn't keep you from coming all the way up and all the way out. Have you ever had to grow in spite of? Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to get somebody to help me preach. I said, have you ever had to grow in spite of, in spite of your raising, in spite of all that was piled on top of you, in spite of the abuse, in spite of the pain? Have you ever had to grow in spite of? And if you did, let me tell you why. It's because in spite of all of the bad, what was good in you? What was good in you? I said, what was good in you? was forced to rise to the top because what was good in you came from God. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. The man sowed good seed in his field. Everybody say it again. Good seed. Smile at your neighbor because I ain't going to smile much today and tell him you got something good in you. Verse 25, but while men slept, the enemy came in and they sowed negative seed. They sowed bad seed. They sowed ugly seed. They sowed seeds of misery right beside in the same vicinity as the good seed was sown. Isn't it amazing that the enemy always attacks you when you're vulnerable? The text doesn't say that the enemy came in and attacked while the men were working. Because if he attacked while the men were working, it would have been a fight. And the devil is a coward. He is a coward. He waits until the men went to sleep. He waits until they're vulnerable. He waits until they're exhausted. And the enemy will always wait until you are exhausted in your life, till you've been pushed to the limit, to the point where you need to sleep. He'll wait till the vulnerable moments in your life to come in and attack you. And while they were sleeping, the enemy sowed bad seed in the field. And, and the Bible says that, that what... Through the, the principles of the text, it's wanting us to know whatever is good in you, it was sown there. Come on, Jesus. I said whatever is good in you. Don't get prideful. Don't get egotistical. Whatever is good in you, somebody sowed it there. And also, and also, don't be so hard on yourself over the bad things. Because it is also true, whatever is bad in you, somebody sowed it in there. And remember the beginning of this parable. This happens to people that are in the kingdom of God. The enemy comes to people who are in the kingdom of God and will plant negative things right next to your positive things. He will plant tares right next to your wheat. And verse 26 says they didn't even know they had been attacked until the first little sprouts of the seeds they planted started to pop up out of the ground. You know, when you sow, you remain in expectation for a while because you can't see what's happening with the seed when it is gone underground. And so the sower has to water in expectation. He has to pray in expectation. He has to believe in expectation that what I sowed in the ground that I cannot see is doing what it's supposed to do. So the sower waits in expectation for the manifestation above ground of what's been working that he cannot see below ground. And the Bible says at the moment of breakthrough, you don't hear this preacher and you ain't pulling at all and it don't matter today. I said right at the moment of breakthrough when the seed first started popping up out of the ground. It was at the moment of breakthrough that they realized, oh my God, we've been attacked. Because at the same time they were noticing the miracle, right next to it they started noticing a mess. At the same time as they were noticing the fulfillment of what they had sowed in expectation for, is the same time that they were surprised by new misery. 
Have you ever been surprised by new misery? Have you ever had a situation just come knock on your door that depressed you and frustrated you and took you down to a low mental place and you weren't expecting it? And you will find in your life these issues often come right when you are experiencing a supernatural, miraculous breakthrough from God. And so the men are pulled into a contradiction. I, I cannot deny that the wheat is there. Look, that's wheat. Look, that's the harvest of my seed. Look, it's coming up. It's working. But at the same time, I also cannot deny that the tear is there that the problem is there, that the misery is there. And the Bible said they both started coming up together. Your, your power and your pain will always come up together. Your miracles and your misery will always come up together. The breakthrough and the feeling of defeat, it's so contradictory, it's so weird, but it will always come up together. That's why there never feels like there, because when you get to the magic place called there, what you don't know is what the enemy has been sowing in your life will manifest at that exact moment. So when you're walking in your dream, you're also walking in your nightmare. When you're walking in your victory, you're also walking in your defeat. When you're trying to reap your wheat, you've also got to deal with the tears. And so, verse 27, the, the, the Bible says, one of the most painful verses in the scripture the Bible said, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? Look what the presence of the bad did. The presence of the bad made them doubt the good. As if the bad canceled the good. Now they're doubting the quality of the seed just because of the presence of the problem and what they don't realize and what you don't realize is one thing has nothing to do The devil knows that it's human nature, that if you got good and bad together, we humans will put all of our focus and all of our energy on what's bad, and we'll allow the bad to cancel out the good. And you do it every day, because you got a good spouse. You got a good husband, you got a good wife, but you're always having warfare and you're always fighting and you're always bickering because you can't help but look at the bad in them and you focus so much on the bad in them that it blinds you from seeing Why is it that we magnify and focus and put a whole lot of energy into a whole lot of words into what's wrong with you, but we never take that same energy and talk about what's right with you? We'll get all emotional and start crying in a fight over what's wrong with you. Why don't you ever get emotional and start crying talking about what's right with them? But, but it's our nature to... Samuel Richard Sides is my four-year-old. 
and I wipe his rear end when he goes to the bathroom. I wake him up every morning. I feed him breakfast because he's an early riser like me, and it don't make sense to wake his mama up at 4.30 every morning. I give that boy a bath. I get him dressed. I take him to school. I play with him. I buy him his clothes. I buy him his food. I buy him his sippy cups. I buy him everything in his life. And the other day, he threw his truck across the room, and I spanked him. And he had the nerve to look at me and say, you are a bad daddy. I did good that morning with the bath. I did good putting his clothes on. I did good feeding him breakfast. I did good taking him to school. Got him there safely. I did good picking him up. I did good feeding him dinner. I did good putting him in his jammies. I did one thing that he thought was bad, which wasn't really bad, and he forgot about all of the good and focused on the bad and looked at me and said, bad daddy. And it sounds funny coming out of Samuel's mouth. It sounds pathetic coming out of your mouth because you're saying bad husband, bad wife, bad children, bad job, bad God. You haven't counted the good. You haven't focused on the good. You haven't looked at the good. You haven't looked at the miracle. You haven't looked at what's working. You haven't looked at what's right. You haven't looked at what's beautiful. You haven't looked at what's breakthrough. You're focused on the You, I can preach this because I lived it. You can pastor people for years. Put the word of God into them carefully. You can pray over them till you feel like you got a hernia in your chest that's about to pop like I feel right now. You can anoint them with oil. You can answer your phone at 2 o'clock in the morning when they call in a crisis. You can walk them through the most deplorable situations in their life. You can cover them and keep their secrets. You can be their confidant. You can bless them and help them financially. You can put in years and years and years years and years and years and years of good and then you correct them one time you tell them they're wrong one time you tell them the attitude changes one time you tell them something's being demanded of you if you want to go to the next level one time and they will turn on you talk about you like a charlatan talk about you like you never cared and they will walk away from you and call you bad they couldn't see the good they only saw the bad they couldn't see the wheat they could only see the tears and the goal of the enemy is brilliant because he's using our nature against us He plants the bad so close to the good that when the good comes up, when God did his job, when the system worked, when God's been faithful, when the system worked, when the seed turned into a harvest, when the system worked, when your prayers were answered, when the system worked, you can't hardly even praise and say thank you with joy. Because of the presence of the, the tears, the bad, the miserable. And you've been letting it cancel out the beauty in your life. And you've been letting it cancel out the strength and the joy in your life. And you've been letting it cancel out what God's been doing in your life. And they grow together. And so the servant said in verse 28, Sir! Sir, let us go out there to the field and just rip up all the bad. Because that's the human instinct. We got good and we got bad. I got something I hate next to something I love. Have you ever had something you hate? And something you love. Let us just go out there and rip out the bad 
And then we'll just be left. That's good. Somebody said it's all good. Thing is, it's never all good. In fact, you have to have bad as an ingredient to get to good. It's never all good. Should we just go out there and rip up what I hate about my spouse? Because, I mean, if they didn't do that one thing, we'd be happy. Look at the spouses quiet in this room. She didn't have that mouth or... Or if he didn't have that temper, or, or if she didn't have those financial habits, or, or, or if he didn't have that thing with his family. God, can I go fix it? Because some of you think you are God's appointed fix-it person in the earth. Some of you really do believe you're the Holy Ghost. Somebody believe you're God himself and that you have the power to go fix everything and everyone. And what you don't realize is you've been destroying relationship after relationship after relationship because every time you notice good and bad in somebody, you start attacking the bad trying to just leave the good. And the master said, no, don't go rip out them tears. It's unwise to do that. Because see, they're just now coming out of the ground. See, the harvest isn't mature yet. See, and if you go now and you rip out the bad inadvertently, you're going to mess up and rip out the good. So the master tells us something that we hate. He says, leave it alone. I don't need you to fix it for me. I got a strategy in mind. Leave it alone. I don't need your hands for this right now. I need your trust. I need you to depend on me, lean on me, trust in me, and wait on me because there's a time coming. You don't want to hear that. You want to go deal with that joker now. But there's a time coming. Oh, you don't hear this preacher. I said there's a time coming. where I will send the reapers. You ain't going to have to live with this forever. Okay? You need to live with it right now. Don't mess around with your hands in it right now. But you ain't going to have to do it forever because a time is coming when I will send the reapers and they will separate the wheat from the tares. And I read that, Pastor Jeff, Pastor Jeff Williams, I read that, and I got mad at God. I read my Bible, Pastor Tracy, and I got angry. I said, that ain't right. It ain't right for me to sow the seed and someone else to come and reap what I sow. Uh-uh. Ain't right. That's not how the system's supposed to work. The word said you will reap what you sow. You, sowers, leave it alone. I know you're mad. I know you care about your harvest. I know you're so upset, and you wouldn't be this upset if you hadn't expected so deeply when you sowed. Yeah. 
See, you can't really sow without real expectation and hope. And when you start seeing misery coming up beside your miracles, your hopes are dashed against the rocks. And hope deferred makes the heart sick. You feel sick all over because you see the mess that's growing next to your miracle. And you want to go deal with it. But don't! I'll send the reapers. I don't like that. I want my heart. Like that. Then I realized I was angry in error because he wasn't saying that he was going to get a different set of people. He was saying he was going to assign a different anointing that changes classification and position. See, when you are a sower, you remain a sower and in the position of a sower and under the anointing of a sower until what you sowed has come to maturity and is ripe in harvest form. You don't hear what I'm saying. And only when what you sow is mature and ripe and in harvest form can your classification and your position change to a reaper. Now, Jesus was looking at a bunch of sowers who were upset because they noticed messes coming up beside their miracles, but they were still in the sowing class. They were still in the sowing position. They still had to expect the seed, water the seed, tend to the seed, and help it reach the fullness of its harvest. And the thing about the anointing to sow is it's wonderful to help you get seed in the ground, and it's wonderful to help you expect, and it's wonderful to help you water, but the anointing of a sower cannot do what the anointing anointing of a reaper can do. The anointing of a sower is not equipped within itself to deal with the tares in your life. But when the harvest reaches maturity, the anointing and your season changes. When the harvest reaches maturity, now you are no longer a sower, ladies and gentlemen. You are now a reaper. Sowers are not authorized to deal with the tares, but reapers are. Sowers are not authorized to deal with the problems, but reapers are. Sowers are not authorized to cut the devil's works out of your life, but reapers are. And the reaper anointing is coming. Elijah was standing in the office of a sower. He was sowing into a wicked nation, trying to bring them back to faith in God. He was sowing prophetic words into an atmosphere of famine, trying to cause a breakthrough of rain to break the drought. He was sowing his energy. He was sowing his authority by removing the headship system of the false prophets of Baal. And in a sowing season, he saw the first little seedlings, the first breakthrough that his harvest was coming. It started like the size of a man's hand. He said, do you see any clouds in the sky to his servant? His servant said, I don't see anything, but, but, but just a little tiny cloud about the size of a man's hand. That was the seedling breaking through the atmosphere, letting him know that what he had sowed had been accomplishing the purpose for which he sowed it. And in that beautiful moment when he first started to see Israel fall on their face and repent as a result of the sowing of his preaching. When he saw the king say, I know I'm wrong as a result of the sowing of his preaching. When he saw fire come down out of heaven as a result of the sowing of his prayer and his prophecy. He was seeing the beginning of a breakthrough manifest in his life and in that moment a devil witch named Jezebel came with some tears to plant right beside his wheat and she went up to him sent a message to him and said I'm gonna kill you in 24 hours now we got a list on the left side you don't want this word I don't know why I'm giving it to you don't act like you want it you don't want it it's God's grace I'm giving it to you on the left side, you've got literal burning fire coming down out of heaven. You've got a flood 
when it hadn't rained in three years. Just because the man said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Elisha didn't hear the rain. The rain heard him. And it rained because he said it. And, and, and so, and so, and so, you got a flood. You, you, you got him outrunning horses and chariots all the way back for miles. And then you got one little witch. I wish I could say another word, but they both work. You got one little witch with a mouthy, nasty tongue full of the devil come up to him and say, I'm going to kill you. Baby, if they could have killed you, they'd have killed you before now. If they could have stopped you, they'd have stopped you before now. But she says when he is vulnerable, when he's tired, why do you mess with me when I'm tired? You know why? That's the only time you can be effective. I'm too big for you to come toe to toe. So the sneaky devil come when I'm tired. Jezebel couldn't come up to him while he was cutting off 450 false prophets of Baal or it would have been 451. Why do you pile on your spouse when they're tired? Because the enemy in you wants to use you as a tool to attack them. Yeah, I said it. Look at me. Why? Why does your worst fights happen when you're tired? Why do the most minuscule issues get blown out of proportion when you're tired? Because it is our nature. And the devil knows it. So he attacks when you're tired. This little floozy witch says under a satanic anointing, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take your life. I'm going to destroy your life. And it should not have affected him. But he was a sower. And sowers are sensitive. You are never more sensitive and more vulnerable than when you have poured out sowing precious seed. So as a result, you will never be attacked more than right after you have poured out sowing precious seed. And the attack will come so fierce, it will make you question if you're a fool and if the whole thing was even worth it in the first place. He said, God, he ran into a cave. He said, God, I ain't effective. Just take my ministry. I don't even want to do this anymore. It's not working. I can't even do anything. I didn't. He's just done so much. And can't see the good because of the bad. He says, would you, would you kill me? I, I revere you too much and I respect you too much to kill myself, but I'm suicidal. Would you just please kill me so I don't have my own blood on my own hands? And he stays. I want, I want to ask you, I want to ask you why. Why is somebody so powerful? So powerful. Why? Do you know this man didn't even die? God wouldn't let him taste death. When it came time, God sent a chariot with an angel down to pick him up and take him back. This man was powerful. Why are our powerful people being brought to their knees? In weakness. It's because sowers don't have the authority or the anointing to deal with the tears. 
So God leaves him there for 40 days. Just long enough for the harvest he planted to grow all the way up. Just long enough for the seeds that he planted to come into ripe maturity. And at the end of 40 days, God speaks to him and says, get up. Get your anointing oil and go and anoint Jehu because today your status changes. You cease to be a sower. It's time to reap. Go pour a reaping anointing on your spiritual sons. Go pour a reaping anointing on a little guy named Jehu and you don't even have to deal with Jezebel, Elijah. You're too much kingdom royalty to go deal with that bottom dweller whore. I want you to anoint Jehu and let him handle your light work. So Jehu gets the anointing of a reaper poured on his holy head. Jehu gets the anointing of a reaper poured into his spirit by Elijah who was able to change Jehu's status because his status personally had been changed. And Jehu rides into the city with the anointing not you can threaten a sower. All they got is seed and expectation in their hand. A reaper's got a sickle. Don't walk up on a reaper. Oh, I feel it. I said, don't walk up on a reaper. Get too close to a reaper. You might get cut accidentally because reapers got a sickle in their hand. A tool to help them cut the harvest and separate the chaff from the wheat, the tares from the wheat, the misery from the miracle. He rides in and she don't come at him like she came at his spiritual father. She puts her makeup on, paint in her face, you know. She, 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 she puts her spanks on, you know. She puts the extra long lashes on. She, she puts her best outfit on. And, and, she, and she uses a pet name, Zamiri. Hey there. Is it peace? Is it all good? Are, are you good? What'd you come here to do? And he's standing in his, in his spot. He's standing on his horse with the anointing of a reaper on his head. The anointing of a reaper on his head. The anointing of a reaper. Because the harvest is full grown now. It took a little time. Elijah had to pay the price of misery for all those days. He had to pay the price of depression hiding in that cave. He had to pay the price of seeing what he hoped would be breakthrough look like it was going to be destroyed. He had to pay the price of being suicidal for 40 days. But when it changed, it changed. The position of a sower left him and now it was time to reap. And Jehu's standing there with an anointing of a reaper and he says not with his sword with his mouth because in this next season when your harvest comes your greatest miracles will come out of your mouth it's not going to be the sweat of your brow and the work of your back that elevates you. It's going to be the words of your mouth. When the anointing of a reaper comes on you, it will be the words of your mouth. People are going to give you what you ask for because of the words of your mouth. He said, he said, hey, hey, anybody up there on my side? God's going to give you allies in enemy fortresses. <laughs> Saying nothing else to you. He said, hey, anybody up there on my side? And three eunuchs that have been castrated. See, Jezebel had a thing about being to able to entice men that were weak in their flesh, men that were easily tempted, you know. She had a thing where she could just turn on the charm and they would just give her whatever she wanted. But see, a eunuch don't care how pretty you are. 
A eunuch don't care how you switch your hips. A eunuch don't care how soft your voice is or how big your lips are. A eunuch don't care. God's about to put some people that are not susceptible to the enemy's attacks in your life as allies, and they will help you get the victory when everyone else was ineffective, he said. He said, uh, I'm done preaching. No, no. I said what I had to say. Stand to your feet. Anybody up there on my side, they said we are. He said, throw her down. Throw her down. Okay? The anointing of a reaper will take that slithering, slimy, demonic spirit that's been trying to rob you of the joy of your harvest, rob you of the joy of your marriage, rob you of the joy of just how wonderful your children are. You don't talk about your children nearly as good as what they deserve because you're focused on the bad. You're focused on what's wrong. You're focused on what's not going right. And you, you may even be doing it with good intentions. You, you don't want them to be that way. You, you want them to be good. You want the best for them. But your frustration overwhelms you. It's not even your fault. It's your nature. It's human nature. If you got good and bad together to focus on the bad and ignore the good. But there is a shift and a transition in the anointing, which is just an empowerment from God that positions you. That's what the anointing does. It's an empowerment from God that positions you in a place you weren't before. That's why kings had to be anointed, because they woke up one day, not a king, and then oil was put on their head. Now they are a king. David transitioned from being a shepherd boy to being a king when Samuel poured the anointing on him. So an anointing comes to change your status and your position. Do you hear me? I said an anointing comes to change your status and position. And so this anointing came to turn and to change the sower into the reaper. And the, and the Bible says in the parable that the reapers went through the harvest. And they pulled out the misery. They pulled out the mess. They pulled out the ugly. They pulled out what was wrong. They pulled out what was broken. They pulled out what was ineffective. And it was an anointing that enabled them to do it. I got to be obedient to my assignment. Bow your head. If you were in this room, I, I'm only talking to sowers. I ain't talking to you if you ain't sown nothing. Word ain't for you. You'll get another word at another time. If you sowed precious seed recently, and right after you sowed it, don't lie to the Holy Ghost. Don't put up your hand if it ain't you. If you sowed precious seed recently, and right after you sowed it, or during sowing it, you were attacked with misery. Raise your hand right now. If your hand is up, come to this altar. I got oil I want to pour on your head. God sent me here to pour oil on your head. Don't miss your moment. Don't miss your opportunity. You sowed and you got hit with miserable news, miserable circumstances, miserable things. Pastor Jeff and Pastor John, quickly form a line I can walk through. I'm going to do this quickly. God instructed me to anoint you with the word of God and anoint you with oil and tell you that the anointing of the reaper is coming in the name of Jesus. Get down in this altar quick. Get down in this altar quick. Create a line that I can walk through, that I can walk through, that I can walk through, that I can walk through. That's too slow. Come on, say you are the source. Oh, Jesus, you are. I lift my hands.
if you've got precious seed in the ground. The first guarantee that is working will not be joy alone, happiness alone, the breakthrough of the miracle alone. Often, more than not, you'll notice the misery first. And to those of you that have been gutted in your soul, God, give me the strength to finish. To those of you gutted in your soul, your father says to you, don't you try to fix it yet. Give time for the harvest to mature. And God said, I will change your position, change your anointing, and put a sickle in your hand. I'll give you a reaper. A reaper anointing. the anointing and the oracles of God that your broken heart be mended by the balm of Gilead that your frustrated and disappointed spirit that's been aching in faith and expectation so long and just got hit with something painful and miserable and you've been questioning you've been walking around you've been saying why God you've even had the question does it even work is it even real God sent me here this way to tell you I'm going to send an anointing to deal with it. One of the most powerful prophets in the Old Testament had to lay in a cave of misery for 40 days suicidal. But the anointing did come. And it's coming on you too. It's coming on you too. I said it's coming on you too. Now, Holy Spirit of God, by the unction of the Holy Ghost, I call on you to seal this word within the soil of their souls and the womb of their spirits. And oh God, when the harvest on the seed that they sowed is mature, I thank you that I already see the reaper anointing and the sickle in their hand. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And we thank you for it, God. Give him one more praise. Now, if you don't have any seed in the ground, if you got seed in the ground, I ain't talking to you on this one. You got seed in the ground. But if you don't have any seed in the ground and you want to get something in the ground because you want, when that reaper anointing comes, you want to walk in it, get you an envelope and get you a significant seed in it. Get you a sacrificial seed. I was preaching to people who had sacrificed. 
I was preaching to people who had suffered to sow. If you don't have nothing in the ground, but you want this prophetic word to be real to you, then you get a seed. If you didn't sow, you get a seed. You get an offering. You get something significant. And watch God put the anointing of a reaper in your hand. Watch God put the supernatural ability to be blessed and to prosper in your hand. Watch God when the anointing of the reaper comes on your life. In Jesus' name. Father, you see every person that has sown. You see every person that is sowing today. You see every person who's practicing the principle you established in your word. I pray now you bless them. I pray now you shield them against the warfare. I pray now you shield them against the negative perspective. I pray now you shield them against the works that the enemy would try to plant inside or beside what you're doing in their life. And Lord, finally I pray that when that beautiful anointing of the of the reaper comes that they will remember you in their prosperity that they will remember you in their success that they will remember you in their victory in Jesus in Jesus name we pray amen God bless you if you want to give something you can give it we love you we'll see you Wednesday night